But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, Why do, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? And where do you come from? And what is your country? And of what people are you? So he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And He said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life, and do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Father, I just pray today, Lord, that... Your anointing will rest upon the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today. God, I pray, Lord, as we walk through this word today, God, that you will speak specifically to each and every one of us. God, I pray, Lord, whatever the need is represented in each individual life today, I pray, God, that the need will be met today. Father, for the glory of God, we ask in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, for the next few weeks, we are going to take a journey through the entire book of Jonah. Jonah is a fascinating book. And I believe that there are many valuable lessons that we can learn through our study. Now, my intention is to discover some very practical lessons. That's what my ministry is mostly about. And that is taking the Word of God and finding practical lessons to help us learn how to live for God, to be pleasing to God, to fit into the plan of God, and to see that our life uh, is successful in the fact that we Uh, obey the word and do what God's word says. So my intention is to discover some very practical lessons from this book that we can apply to our everyday lives. Well, this morning we're going to discover five things that, that, that we can learn, five lessons from the first chapter 
of the book of, of Jonah. The first lesson I want us to learn this morning is, and that is God speaks to his people. God speaks to his people. Look at verse 1 and 2. says that the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Notice the Bible says that the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And here God very clearly and very specifically speaks to Jonah. Here's what I want you to understand this morning. That is that God still speaks today. God still speaks today. Basically, today, God speaks in one or more of three ways. When God wants to communicate to us, when God wants to speak to us, he speaks to us basically in one or more of three ways. First of all, he speaks to us through his spirit. God speaks to us through his spirit. That that still small voice on the inside of us that says, do this. Or, I wouldn't do that. That voice that's on the inside of us that says, go here or go there. I believe that God still speaks today. And sometimes his voice is loud and sometimes his voice is clear. And sometimes his voice is very specific. At other times, his voice is soft and gentle and more like a nudge. The longer that we walk with God, the clearer His voice is to us, or at least should be. You know, when my father, my earthly father, when he calls me on the phone, he never identifies himself. He he never says, um, son, this is your father. Never. He just starts talking. I say hello, and he just starts talking and talking and, and talking. But he never identifies himself. He never says, hey, son, this is your father. In case you were wondering, in case you want to know who it is, this is your father. No, no, he just starts talking. And, and I immediately recognize his voice. Because he's been my father now for 60 years. And for 60 years I have heard his voice. And I always recognize the voice of my father. Acts chapter 8 and verse 29 says, The Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk along beside the chariot. Acts chapter 10 and verse 19 says, Meanwhile, as Peter was wondering about his vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, Three men are looking for you. Acts chapter 11 and verse number 12, Peter said, The Holy Spirit told me to go with them and told me not to worry that they were Gentiles. God wants to speak to us through the voice of his Holy Spirit. And we need to learn to be very sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. 
When I went to Midland, Texas to plant a church 24 years ago, I went because God spoke to me by His Holy Spirit. It was March the 26th. 1990, it was at 2 o'clock in the morning in Elk City, Oklahoma, when the Holy Spirit spoke very clearly into my heart. And he said, Harvest Time Church, Midland, Texas, Odessa Highway. God still speaks today. When we changed the name of this church, it was because God spoke to me in Phoenix, Arizona by His Holy Spirit. And God said to me, I can still hear His voice today, where the Lord spoke to me and He said, Call your church the Grace Place. Now let me tell you this morning that you do not have to be a prophet like Jonah. You do not have to be a pastor like me in order to hear God's voice. Listen, this morning God wants to speak to you. Matter of fact, God is speaking to you. The question is, can you recognize His voice? Now let me throw this in before we move on this morning. That is, God will never speak to us anything that will contradict His Word. You see, the Holy Spirit is the author of this book. And as the author of this book, the Holy Spirit knows what this book contains. He wrote the book. He spoke it into existence. The Holy Spirit is the author of this book. And so the Holy Spirit knows what's in this book. And He will never speak to you. He'll never speak to me. He'll never speak to anyone. Anything that will be contrary to what He had written down in His book. Now we also need to understand that the devil also has a voice. And he also speaks to us. And let me tell you that his voice is very, very easy to recognize. If you want to learn to not only recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit, but you also want to know and learn how to recognize the voice of the enemy called Satan, it's very easy to recognize his voice because because when he speaks, when the devil speaks, everything he says appeals to our flesh. And everything the devil says for us to do will make our flesh feel good. And everything that the the enemy of our soul, the devil, speaks to us will stroke our ego. After a great service, somebody came up to the speaker and said, Wow, that was a marvelous sermon. Wow, that was one of the best sermons that I've ever heard. Man, was that a great sermon. And the minister said, I know. The devil has already told me. And everything that the enemy will speak will be contrary to God's word. All right, let's move on this morning. Not only does God speak through his spirit, but he also speaks through his scriptures. Psalm 119, verse 105, God's Word is a lamp to my feet. And it is a light to illuminate my path. 
And 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God is speaking today and he's speaking through His scriptures. Write this down this morning. The word. The word. Say the word. The word trumps a word. Now, super spiritual people value a word. What are you talking about? A word. I'm talking about a word of prophecy. I'm talking about somebody giving you a word. And there are people that just bebop around everywhere looking for a word. You got a word for me, brother? They never open the word. They just want somebody to give them a word. But the the truth is, the word always trumps a word. And the truth is, listen to this, the truth is a word, as in a personal prophecy, is only valid. It is only valid if it lines up to the word. So if a word contradicts the word, throw it out. Disregard it. It is a false prophecy. And listen to this this morning. We we can rightly judge a word only if we are familiar with the word. People go around looking for a word, they get a word, which sometimes they get a word that's contrary to the word, and man, they get all excited about the word they just got, when it's actually not a word at all. And they wonder why it doesn't come to pass, and they wonder why it doesn't work for them. And the sad thing about it, about all of it is, if they only understood and were familiar with the word, they wouldn't have gotten misled by a word. Why do people drink the Kool-Aid? Because they don't know the word. Why do they follow those goofy preachers over the cliff? Because they're not familiar with the word. Why do they get their lives all messed up by listening to some so-called prophet? Amen. Because the prophecy that they receive and the word that comes back forth from that false prophet does not line up with the word. But they are so shallow in their walk with God. Amen. They're so ignorant about the word of God that they just swallow it all hook, line, and sinker and wonder why it doesn't work out for them. And let me throw this in while we're here. Gonna do a lot of preaching the next few weeks, okay? How many understand what preaching is? I'm gonna teach you, but I'm gonna keep my preacher voice, all right? Amen. Ha! Laura! When God speaks to us through His Word, it is always in context. See, you can cherry pick two or three verses and you can place them side by side and you can make God's word say anything you want it to say. The 
you need to hear from God on a matter, my advice would be to begin on your knees. Begin on your knees with God's Word open. Start reading the Word and ask God to speak to you out of His Word. Don't don't run around seeking a Word when you have the Word. Now, I don't want to get in trouble here this morning. I'm not, I'm not saying you can't get a word. I'm not saying that God will never give you a word this morning. I'm simply cautioning you. Because God may give you a word, but if God gives you a word, He only gives it to you as confirmation of what He has already spoken to you by His Spirit in your own heart. So somebody gives you a word and it's way off in left field somewhere. It's probably just out in left field somewhere and needs to be left out there. If somebody says, I've got a word for you, I'm going to tell you something. God has already given you that word. He's already spoken into your heart. He's already spoken into your spirit. He's already speaking to you and talking to you and nudging you. And this word that somebody has is nothing but confirmation that, yes, what God has already been speaking to me is really God. So when someone gives you a word, it's only as confirmation of what God has already spoken to you by His Spirit in your own heart and what He has already spoken to you through His Scriptures. Jonah chapter 1 and verse 1 says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah. God is still speaking today. He speaks through His Spirit. He speaks through His Scriptures. And He also speaks through His saints. Acts chapter 15, verse 28, Luke writes, and he said, It seemed good to the Holy Spirit, but notice the next thing that he says, and to us. Luke writes, It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden on you than these few requirements. So sometimes God speaks to us through good, solid, mature saints. And sometimes it is wise, maybe every time it is wise, when we think that we have heard from God on a matter, especially if it is a major matter or a major decision or a major direction in our life, often it is good when we think that we have heard from God on a major matter to share it with a wise, proven, godly saint to see if they feel that we are on the right track or not. But once again, any time a saint gives us godly counsel, we must, we must make sure, first of all, that it lines up with the written Word of God and that it rings true in our spirit. If either one of these two things are not spot on, it would be very, uh, uh, we, we should be very cautious and we should wait for peace to come and wait for clear direction. Okay, Jonah, what can we learn from from you today? Well, first of all, we can learn that God speaks to his people. The second thing I think that we can learn from Jonah in the first chapter of Jonah today is, and that is, we don't always like what God has to say.
Yeah, God speaks to us, but we don't always like what he has to say. The way it was with Jonah, verse 3, but Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Yes, God did indeed speak to Jonah, but Jonah didn't like what God had to say. God told him to go to Nineveh. God told him to preach judgment to them. Jonah didn't want to do this. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. He didn't want to preach judgment. He didn't want to go and do what God told him to do. He he heard from God, but he didn't like what God had to say. So the Bible says that he hopped a ship going as far away from Nineveh as possible. Headed in the opposite direction from where the Lord had told him to go. I wonder, what was it? What was it about this assignment that Jonah didn't like? Well, as I was preparing this message, I, I said, well, let me give you three possibilities. may not be your possibilities. You can give yours when you preach the sermon, but I'm, I'm preaching. So let me suggest three possibilities. Perhaps he didn't like the place. He didn't want to go to Nineveh, maybe because he didn't like the place. Because because if you do your research, you'll find that Nineveh was a huge city for that day and time. Maybe he was a country boy. He didn't like the city. And because it was such a huge city, it was a very dangerous city. and, and, And it was a very wicked city. And it was a very busy, 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 busy city. Perhaps the place didn't seem very appealing to him. Perhaps he didn't like the people. They were not of his race. They were a heathen people. They were an actual enemy of Israel. A threat to this nation's safety. Maybe he didn't want to go because he didn't like the place, he didn't like the people, and perhaps, perhaps he didn't like the plan. Go preach against it? Uh, go preach hell, fire, and brimstone? Go, go, go preach God's judgment? Who, who wants to preach this message? This message won't make you very popular. First of all, you're not going to be popular when you show up in the city, first of all, because you don't really belong there. And you're going to waltz in there and act like you've got a word from the Lord, and you're going to prophesy, and you're going to call down judgment. Who wants this assignment? And this, this kind of message won't make you popular. Man, you can't buy a private jet for your ministry speaking this message. And this message is not going to sell a million books. It's not going to fill a stadium or an arena. 
Why, why can we learn from Jonah? We learn that we won't always like what God has to say. We won't always like the place where he sends us. We won't always like the people that he, that he places in our life. I'll never forget hearing a preacher preach one time, and he told the story about an individual in his church uh, that was his thorn in the flesh, man. I mean, they were just bugging him. They were bothering him. I mean, they were against everything he was for, and they were always working against him, and they were always a problem in his church. And so he began to pray and ask God to remove that person from his church. didn't ask God to kill him or anything. Just take him somewhere else. And he said that God spoke to him very clearly and said, you don't understand. I put him in your church. I put him in your church to change you. Here's what I've come to know. Even though I don't always like what God has to say to me, I may not always be overjoyed with the, with the place or with the people or with the plan, but here's what I've come to know, and that is I must understand that God calls us all things to work together for me and for my good and for His glory. All things are not always necessarily good, but God uses all things. He uses the good, He uses the bad, and He uses the ugly to work in me, through me, and for me. And as I look back over my life and my ministry, I can see where I learned this at this place and that at another place. I can see where God taught me, uh, oh, He taught me patience through this particular person. And He, and he taught me some wisdom through this particular person. And, and He used this person to teach me this lesson and that person to teach me that lesson. And, and, and He brought me to this place to learn this lesson. And He taught me to that, brought me to that place to learn that lesson. And on and on and on and on it goes. Let's keep on moving this morning. Third thing I think we can learn from Jonah in the first chapter is that our response determines our success. Our response determines our success. Now, now there are a host of definitions for this word success. And there's every book. I mean, you go to a bookstore, whether it's secular or Christian, and there's just rows and rows and rows and rows and rows and shelves and shelves and shelves and shelves, all with the word success in the name of the book. And all kinds of definitions for the word success. Some, some define success by, by positions or possessions or popularity. To me, none of these things have anything to do with success. Whether you have a position or don't have a position has nothing to do with whether you're successful. Whether you have stuff or you don't have stuff has nothing to do with whether you're successful or not. How many zeros at the end of your salary has nothing to do with whether or not you are successful or not? Success for me is as simple as this. This is my definition for success. You can have yours, here's mine. Success for me is as simple as this. Passionately pursuing God's purpose for my life. Passionately pursuing God's purpose for my life. 
For me, success, if I say yes to God's will for my life and passionately pursue it, I'm successful. Regardless of the results. Pastor, you're successful. Your church is has gone from a low of 81 on a Sunday morning 12 years ago. And by the way, today's 12 years. A low of 81 on Sunday morning to last Sunday, 563 people. Wow, that's, you're successful. No. Not successful because the church went from 81 to 563. Not successful because we bought, built three buildings. I am successful, and I'm not bragging. I am successful. Why? Because God told me what to do, and I did it, and that's it. Amen. If we still had 81 in church, amen, I would still be successful, amen, if I did what God told me to do. Because success is not how big or how grand. It's not how much, amen. Success is simply, amen, knowing what God has for your life and then being in hot pursuit, amen, of doing the will of God in your life. Simply saying yes to God and leaving the results to God. If I please God with my life, I'm successful regardless of man's opinion of me. Notice two things real quickly this morning. Obedience is accompanied by God's provision. Obedience is accompanied by God's provision. Let's look over in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 28. I love this chapter. Well, let me say this. I love the first 13 verses of this chapter. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 1 says, It shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. What? Is God speaking? It'll come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all His commandments which I command you today that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. And blessed will you be in the city, and blessed will you be in the country. And blessed shall be the fruit of your body, and the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, and the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. And blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. And the Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way, and they're going to flee from you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the the land which the Lord your God is giving you. And the Lord will establish you as a holy temple to himself just as he has sworn to you. If you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, then all the people of the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase in your livestock, and in the produce of your ground, and in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. And the Lord is going to open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season, and to bless all of the work of your hand. And you're going to lend to many nations, but you're not going to borrow. And the Lord is going to make you the head, and he's not going to make you the tail. And you're going to be above only, and not be beneath. If you heed the commandment of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them. I read all of that because it's just so good, I just couldn't stop reading. 
Obedience is accompanied by God's provision. Somebody said it well when they said where God guides, He provides. Where God guides, He provides. In nearly 43 years of full-time ministry, my wife and I have never made a demand from any church. We've never, never made a demand on whether we would go or not go made because of a demand. We've never, we've gone everywhere simply trusting and relying and believing, amen, that if God sent us there, if God leads us there, if God directs us there, then God's going to bless us there and God's going to provide for us there and God's going to take care of all of our needs. And I'm going to tell you whether it was from the first church or this last church that we are, that we are presently pastoring, I'm going to tell you that God, out of, as we have been obedient to Him, has always opened the windows of heaven over our life, over our ministry, over our family. Amen. Because where God guides, He does provide. And I'm going to tell you that it pays to obey God. It pays to obey God. It pays to be in obedience to God. It pays to go where God tells you to go. It pays you to do what God tells you to do. Obedience is accompanied by God's provision. Well, on the other hand, disobedience is accompanied by God's punishment. <laughs> My not-so-favorite part of the Bible is found in the verse 15. <laughs> but it shall come to pass. If you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, you what? <laughs> I don't like what you're telling me, God. I don't like where you're sending me. I don't like the people. I don't like the place. But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all His commands and His statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses, these what? Curses? It's in the Bible, I just read it. That all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. And cursed you'll be in the city, and cursed you'll be in the country. And cursed you'll be, will be your basket and your kneading bowl. And cursed will be the fruit of your body, and the produce of your land, and the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. And cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed you're going to be when you go out. And the Lord will send on you cursing, confusion, and rebuke in all that you set your hand to do until you are destroyed and until you perish quickly because of the wickedness of your doings in which you have forsaken me. When you read the entire book of Jonah, you will see that things worked a whole lot better for him when he was walking in obedience. I could camp out here a while, but I don't have time to camp, so we must move on. Number four. The fourth thing that we can learn in this first chapter of the book of Jonah is, and that is our desire, our, our decisions affect others. In verses 4 through 11, the Bible says that God sent a storm that not only affected Jonah, but it also affected everyone else that was on the ship. You see, every decision that we make affects other people. And not only were the other people on the ship affected by the storm that was sent to Jonah because of his disobedience, but I want you to also understand that his disobedience delayed God's message that God wanted to get to the people of Nineveh. You see, our bad decisions not only affect our work, but also God's work.
Let me, let me help you a little bit this morning. Like I said, I'm trying to do some practical teaching this morning. When, when making a major decision, there are two things you need to ask yourself, two questions you need to ask yourself when making a major decision in your life. First question you need to ask yourself is, who will this affect? If I say yes, or if I say no, who will this affect? Will this affect my spouse? Will this affect my kids? Will it affect my parents? If I had to do it all over again, I would consider my wife and my kids a whole lot more than I did when making decisions. See, I like the, the new and uncharted waters. I like new places. I like new people. I like new challenges. That's what I like. That's who I am. That fits my personality. But just because it fits my personality doesn't necessarily mean it fits the personality of my wife and my kids. And as I tried to look back this week, I I don't know where I would actually say, you know, I would, maybe I wouldn't have went there. Maybe I wouldn't have made that. I I, I, I honestly don't know. And maybe maybe there wouldn't be any places any different than that. But looking back, I know I, I, I would have, I would have considered my wife and my kids a whole lot more than I did. I'm just just being honest with you this morning. So before making a major decision in your life, ask yourself, who will this affect? Because it's not just you that this decision is going to affect. And then ask yourself, how will it affect them? How is it going to affect them? If you choose to remarry, there will be stepbrothers, and there will be stepsisters, and there will be a stepdad, and there will be a stepmom. Amen. Amen. See, 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 don't forget, a blended family must experience the grinding of the blender. <laughs> see, 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 all you know is you're madly in love. Oh, all you need is love. Ba-da-ba-da. I hate to bust your balloon, but you need more than love. Hmm. If you decide to move, you're not the only one moving. You're moving your family. And your kids are going to have to move too. I guess the greatest heartbreak of my life was a three-hour drive. As we loaded up in Elk City, Oklahoma to go to Midland, Texas. It's further than three hours, but we drove from Midland to Lubbock and got a, got a, because we had loaded up that day, so we just went to Midland. From, we went from Elk City to, to Lubbock and got a motel before we got up the next day and drove on down to Midland and unloaded our furniture. And my baby girl, Krista, 
How old were you, baby? 11? 11 years old. And I had to drive that big old U-Haul with one hand all the way, and I'm not exaggerating, all the way from Elk City, Oklahoma to Lubbock, Texas because my baby girl had her face buried in my in my uh, ribs and my arm around her and she was bawling her eyes out for actually it's four hours <laughs> if I'm in my family all my kids are they're going to have to go to a new school they're going to have to say goodbye to some of their old friends oh they're going to have to say goodbye to family members I don't know about you this morning, but I'm pretty sure that when Brother Jonah boarded that ship for Tarshish, uh, he probably didn't even give a single thought to who his disobedience was going to affect and how it was going to affect them. Hey, Jonah, what can you teach us out of your experience? And the answer, our decisions affect others. So think about that the next time that you have a major decision to make or the next time that you're tempted to disobey God or the next time that you are tempted to sin. Notice the last lesson that we can learn from Jonah in chapter 1. I'm going to do this quickly, hopefully. And that is God will get you where he wants you. In verses 12 through 17, God begins the process of getting Jonah from where he was to where God wanted to take him. Let me tell you that God will go to great lengths and he will use an exhaustive process to get us from where we are to where he wants us. Just ask Joseph. Just ask the Apostle Paul, who started out as Saul. Ask Jonah. And sometimes, sometimes he sends storms. Verse 4 says that it was God that sent the storm. See, I'm convinced that we often rebuke and sometimes we attribute to the devil what God has actually sent our way. Now, I know that's not popular theology and I know it won't sell any books. But it's the truth. Because, you see, God is more interested in our character than he is in our comfort. And so sometimes he sends storms and sometimes, sometimes he arranges situations. See, he had a huge fish ready and waiting on Jonah to swallow him up, but not digest him. Take him to shore and then vomit him up onto dry ground. Oh, listen, Jonah's attitude was so bad that even the the giant fish got sick of him. (laughs) And here's what you need to know, and that is that God will arrange situations. He he will go to great lengths and he will go to great... detail, amen, he will use people, he will use places, he will use problems. But not only will he send storms and not only will he arrange situations, but sometimes, sometimes he sabotages our plans. Jonah had it all figured out, didn't he? Uh, instead of going to Nineveh, instead of stirring things up with a hellfire and brimstone message, oh, no, instead he will take a cruise. So he gets on carnival. 
And he takes himself a cruise on down to Tarshish oh, in the opposite direction. Oh, oh, where God wanted him to go. Oh, he's going to enjoy a little R&R. And he goes down into the cabin part of the ship and he takes himself a nap. Oh, oh, he says to himself, this is better. Oh, this is the life, man. Just, just cruise, cruise along without a care in the world. Oh, but God says, oh, no, you don't, big boy. And he sends a storm. And he gets him tossed overboard. And he prepares a fish to swallow him up. And he totally sabotages Jonah's plans. And so he does with you and me. All a part of the process of getting us from where we are to where he wants us. To be. Pastor, don't you have any good news for us today? I sure do. I sure do. Here it is. The place that God has picked out for you is much better than the place where you choose to go. And I can tell you from experience, it always pays obey God. And God's ways are always best. Now, now His ways won't always make sense to us. You'll never figure God out. His ways don't always make sense to us, and His ways don't always fit within our logical thinking. And what He chooses for us is not usually what we would have chosen for ourselves. And his way is not always easy, it's not always comfortable, it's not always popular. But when all is said and done, and at the end of the day, you will never regret, ever, ever, never, ever, will you ever regret obeying him. I, I know I haven't. If I had my way, I've told you this before, but if I had my way, I wouldn't be here today. Twelve years ago, I didn't choose this place. God chose this place for me. Now, I'm, I, I can't tell you how many... Hundreds of days, because almost every single day when I pray, I thank God, not only for opening doors for me, but for shutting doors for me. I found out, oh, the greatest love of God is when he slaps a door right smack dab in my face. And I'm so angry, and I'm so upset, and I'm so, you know, I'm fuming because, man, oh, man, I like that door. I liked what was under door number two. I'm telling you, I'm glad God didn't keep door number two open for me. I'm glad he shut door number one, shut door number two, shut door number three. And I mean at the very last minute. I mean, there was a church in Phoenix that told me, said, we, we had a, an unofficial meeting. Today I called everybody on the pulpit committee and every single one of them, every single one of them said, you. And we said, well, we got to come together and have our meeting to make it official so we can put it, you know, down officially. And they met and said three, year, three hours later we came up with another name and we don't know why. We're scratching our head. We're just saying, God. Well, I'm kind of glad I'm not in Phoenix today. And in July and August. It's hot here, but you ought to be there, man. I mean. You can't preach on hell in Phoenix in the summertime. You can't because they think they're already there. (laughs) 
So don't get discouraged when God shuts the door. Don't, don't get upset. Amen. You thought the door was open for you, man. I mean, everything lined up. Everything was just right there perfect. But all of a sudden, bam, there's the door shut right in your face. Let me tell you, that's God saying, I love you. That's God saying, I've got another plan for you. That's God saying, you might want to go there, but if you really knew what was there, if you really knew what all that was going to go on, listen, I've got another place for you, and I'm going to take you there. And if you'll just get on the right ship and get in the right direction, if you'll just obey me, if you'll just do what I said for you to do, if you'll just follow me I'll take you exactly where I want you to go and when I get you there and give me a little bit of time amen in a little bit of time you're going to be thank you Jesus that you shut that door and thank you Jesus that you opened this door get the worship team back in place this morning by by the way I'm glad that Twelve years later, you can't call me Blubber Benson anymore, amen. <laughs> I lost in Old Bethel weighing 225 pounds. I weighed this morning 169, amen. <laughs> and pay me more, I could eat better and I'd gain that weight back, amen. <laughs> Just kidding. Hey, Jonah, what can you... What can we learn from your, from your experience? How many know it's a lot better when learning from somebody else's experience than having to learn through our own? Let me tell you what we can learn from Jonah in the first chapter. We can learn that God will speak to us. We need to learn to be sensitive to his voice, and we need to learn how God speaks. We can also learn that we're not always going to like what God has to say to us. Listen, you may not like God's answer to your prayer. You may not like it. You might not like God's direction for your life, at least not at first. Not always going to like what God has to say. We need to learn that our response determines our success. Obedience to God. Listen, hear this, and I'm done, but obedience to God is success. Obedience to God is success, regardless of the results. I refuse, I refuse to take responsibility for the results because it's not my job. Not my job to grow this church. Not my job to fill this up two or three times. Not my job to bring in all the money it takes. to. It's not my job. My job's not... The results are not my job. My job is just to do what God tells me to do. My job is just to obey. It's God's job to do everything else. And so I'm not going to stay up at night. I'm not going to walk the floor at night. I'm not going to wring my hands. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to fret. I'm not. There's nothing I can do about it. Obedience to God is success. If you're in obedience to God, you're successful. I, it doesn't matter if you have a title or don't have a title. It doesn't matter what kind of money you make. or don't, It doesn't matter where you live. Don't, nothing matters. None of that really matters. It has nothing to do with success. Nothing to do with success. If you're in obedience to God, you are successful. And disobedience to God is failure. I said disobedience to God is failure. No matter how successful we might appear to man. 
Jesus said the last are going to be first and the first are going to be last. Jesus said, see that little widow lady right there? See, see, see her? See her? That little widow lady walking off, see her? Jesus said to the disciples, look at her. Jesus said, she gave more in the offering than anybody today. And the disciples said, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> the disciples said, Lord, her offering made noise. We heard her offering as it hit in the coin box, in, or in the offering box. It, it, it was a coin. She, she, she gave a fourth of a penny. God, we saw some rich people today pour in some rich, some big bucks. And you say she gave more than them? Yeah. Because they had a whole lot left over when they got through giving, but she didn't have anything to get left over when she got through giving because she gave everything she had. So Jesus said, in my eyes, she gave more. And then our decisions affect others. No, no man is an island, somebody said. Everything we do, everything we don't do has an effect on countless others. And then five, God will get you where he wants you. You might go willingly or you might come kicking and screaming. But if God wants you somewhere, he is going to eventually get you there. So it's a whole lot better <laughs> if you come voluntarily and say, here I am, God. I'm ready. I'm willing. I'll go. Stand with me this morning, please. Father, I just pray that you'll take this word today. Principles of your word, oh God. Principles of your word today. God, I believe there's some, some people today that need to hear some things. Lord, I think, Lord, that, Lord, even things that I did not say, by your Holy Spirit, you spoke to people today through this word. God, I pray, Lord, that they will be in obedience to you, God, in every area. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, just taking a couple of moments. I'm a little over this morning, but... If you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you were to die in the next five minutes, you're not 100% sure, you're not 100% certain that you'd go to heaven. If that is you, and you want to know Jesus, and you want to know that you're ready for heaven, you know, you want to know beyond a doubt that you're saved. If that's you this morning, I want to see your hand all over this room. I'm not 100% sure of my salvation. I want to be 100% sure of my salvation. Anyone in this room this morning? Lift your hand up really high this morning all over this room. God bless you. And you in the back. You can put your hand down now. Anyone else this morning? I'm not 100% sure. Not 100% sure. Thank you. God bless you, sir. God bless you. How many others this morning? I'm not 100% sure. Thank you. God bless you. Listen, if you're not 100% sure, that means you're unsure. I would not want to live my life unsure of where I was going to spend eternity. That's three or four. I lose count real quick. How many others? Is there another? Is there one more? Anyone else? Lift it up really high. Let me see it. All right, if you lifted your hand this morning, I, I want to help you with a prayer this morning. There's no magic in the prayer. What you're doing today is you are placing your faith, your trust, your hope, your confidence in what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross for your salvation. That's, that's what saves you, is placing your faith, your trust, your confidence in what Jesus did for you on the cross 
Trusting that for your salvation. That and that alone get you to heaven. Not works. Not style of prayer or preference on how the altar calls. None of that stuff. If you lifted your hand this morning and you want to know that you are saved today, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Pray it from your heart and not just from your lips. Make it your prayer. Everyone else joining in as well so they do not have to, they do not have to pray it alone. Heavenly Father, I recognize my need of a Savior. I cannot save myself. I believe Jesus is the Savior of the world. I believe He did on the cross for me what I could never ever do for myself. I admit I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I ask Jesus Christ to save me today. I repent of my sin. I cry out to Jesus today. Save me today. I receive Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. If you prayed that prayer and you prayed it with all of your heart this morning, I believe the Lord heard your prayer. 